You're listening to Kistorian Brothers. Phone calls about Kiss from your friends at Kistorian.com. The originals, keeping it real since 2010. Hey, it's Dave with Kistorian. I thought it would be fun to take a, kind of a deep dive on Animalize. I, uh, I pulled it out the other day because I've got a pretty awesome uh, analog setup for, for vinyl right now. And even though this was the, the last throws of actual vinyl, and often you'll find that the, uh, the albums are, uh, you know, of a very thin quality, so there's not as much information. I will tell you, this album sounds way warmer than I remember it on CD or my Walkman. And of course, in the context of all the other Kiss records. Even though it's a, you know, their attempt at being like quasi speed metal at moments, which they would continue on the next couple records, at least on Gene's songs. But with I've Had Enough, you know, they come out of the box roaring, you know, in that sort of double strum riff that Paul has. And then, of course, the laser speed of uh, Mark St. John. But, you know, they chose to print the lyrics for the vinyl. And I love the photos. And I gotta say, it's it's a much better guilty pleasure than I remembered uh, on these last few revisits. You know, even just the back album cover, which I know has been doctored and people's arms are missing and God knows what they're trying to portray here. There's a river of fire, yet there's uh, some corrugated steel and a pillar could be holding up God knows what and yet somehow these it's sort of they're coming at you from the perspective of uh, of a music video uh, so that yeah it's natural that they've just returned from their cave life especially when you look at the shot of Gene on the inner sleeve they've chiseled his head but the commitment you know and the fact that they were able to get away with it I think is because Kiss was now on the map and of course, Gene astutely realized that, and that's when he decided to sort of beg off, right? Because he could get away with it. So, executive producer Paul Stanley, nice job on Animal Eyes, <laughs> you know? And I realized you were uh, under the gun, <laughs> you know, in terms of uh, getting this completed and getting a uh, half involved Gene who, like, Probably played no bass on it. God knows. Um, I'd have to check all the all the stats and all the things we've read about. But um, each song has some kind of cool moments. And of course, we now know that uh, Michael James Jackson was involved in teeing up the drums before he moved on because he had another project. Um, but by the time you get to I've, I've Had Enough, Into the Fire, and Heaven's on Fire comes on, it sounds like classic rock. I mean, at the time, of course, it was a new song, and, it, and it's basically Honky Tonk Woman. Um, but it's as strong a start, two songs out of the box, as I can think of as far as the 80s records. I love the beginning of Asylum with King of the Mountain into uh, Any Way You Slice It. But uh, the stamp is on heavy here because you get two Paul songs, right? Right out of the box. My plan was to talk through the whole record. 
I don't know that I'll have enough to say. I mean, my God, we're on the track too. I love the space in the recording here. Something Paul maybe learned from uh, the great groove on uh, Down On Your Knees. And then Gene's I Love It Loud, where the drums are just, they're everything. And the pocket and the groove that they, they nailed out here. And the walking bass line within that, you know, is kind of buried. Because everything was sort of, you know, they were pushing like an ACDC set of full, full bore, uh, compressed power rock sound here. I remember hearing something where Paul was like, yeah, we're, you know, our new record's going to sound like the Scorpions. So whether that's true or not, you know what they were competing with then. And uh, to stay relevant and nail that is a testament to Paul's songwriting and what a bitchin' lead singer he is. I mean, the lead vocal on this, I don't know too many people who can sing it. I can sing it an octave lower in my car when no one's listening. You try to hit this, motherfucker. You are not gonna be holding up too good. You drive me crazy. I can't do it, you know? Even on steroids. Now, granted, I'm 54. Maybe at 23. I doubt it. Keep in mind, Kiss is in their late 30s here, right? Mid-30s? Even to me, then, they seemed old. Until I saw, you know, Animalize live uncensored. Which I... Somebody caught clips of it from uh, from an MTV concert thing. And then I later got the video. We, I say, me and Rich. Um, and it was clear they were in, you know, peak health. Even if Gene was wearing a wig and looked ridiculous. If you watch his performances on every song on that... He is as dialed in as one can be. There's no mailing it in. He is full commitment. So Animalize, yeah, it's at a weird place. And that they could change gears and have another guitarist and have it sort of swept under the rug because of the strength of Heavens on Fire is a testament to the Star Child. Funny thing is, the record's got some of my favorite songs of Gene's in a weird way like there's such dumb afterthoughts and the fact that they printed his lyrics is ridiculous because in comparison to Paul's lyrics even though they have (coughs) certain themes heaven and fire and hell which is Kiss is really good at and it gets uh, I think we did a podcast on how many times they've used the word hell and heaven Um, and fire hotter than hell but burn bitch burn back to fire um, Eric Carr sounds great on this track The whole thing's really raw I mean If you were going to take one song of jeans off this record It would be this Even though it's embarrassing Because of the log in the fireplace A rewrite on the lyrics Like smart lyrics Without the like Just like pussy groping Could have made this kind of cool But I guess like the Gene had become so depraved and that that was his calling card now. Like, I'm still a monster, I'm still from hell, and I'm still a bitch. Um, comes through really clear here, right? Um, whereas, uh, you know, while the city sleeps, 
which I love, and Murder in High Heels I love. They're thrown on the end of the album, right? Lonely as the Hunter isn't completely flushed out. It's a bitchin' sort of... Uh, the, the A riff on guitar, if you learn it as a guitarist, is reminiscent of, like, Joe Walsh. Um, but my favorite song on the record has to be Get All You Can Take. Um, it's like, this is Paul's, like, uh, self-talk to himself, like, you know, daily... Uh, Daily manifesto or aspirations like, you know, I've had enough. I'm going into the fire. Um, you know, I'm going to get all I can take, which is kind of like Gene's philosophy. Like, I'm, you know, trying to stop me. And then Thrills in the Night. Pretty fucking cool, too, right? Uh, the hook stays with you. It's kind of like a sister to magic touch to me in terms of its plotting speed. Um, but you know, Paul was tapping into the uh, 17 to 18 to 16 year old teenager at that moment, maybe physically and literally, but certainly as a songwriter, he knew who he needed to communicate with there. And uh, we did a nice job. Under the Gun is kind of a shitty song. I was surprised it's a live song, but you know, you know, Paul's vocals on this record, I mean, it's like, it's Paul Plant. He's, he really delivers the musters and he was probably given a chance to do it all on his own and, and do exactly what he wanted to do as executive producer. And, um, yeah, playing colors. You're listening to Kistorian Brothers. Phone calls about Kiss from your friends at Kistorian.com. The originals, keeping it real since 2010. Nice Bonham, Phil. Got tiddledum, got tiddledum, dum. I forget what producer I was working with, but they call those Bat Middlers. Bat Middler, Bat Middler. Got tiddledum, got tiddledum. Absolutely love them. Yeah, and Eric sounds like he's pounding the living hell out of the drums on this. Obviously, the drums don't compare to Creatures, and they're slightly pale compared to Lick It Up, and that may be because the final production was Paul. I don't know. I think he did a great job, a, a job of driving the guitars, and the record has one sound, you know? It stands up. I'm fucking animalized. You hear me, people? One of the funny things about listening to this record, though, is Mark St. John's, like, <coughs> solos and tone. He's, like, always sort of warbling between sharp and flat, right? As if he's got an effect on. And I don't think he could play without his fingers bending a little bit in one direction, even though he can play super fast. It was like the guitar wasn't meant to have another guitar playing with it. So he phases in and out of phase, if you will, um, constantly. Um, and some of it works, you know, but it's, it, it almost sounds like it's an effect, but it's not, it's his playing, which is completely unique in that sense, you know? Um, 
obviously Vinnie Vincent, you know, set the table for him to warble at high speed, right? Um, but I have heard a couple of those live tapes with a few times he got on stage and everything is like, there's no stops and starts. It's continuous playing. He doesn't have any rhythm in and out of that, right? See, so if he can't play rhythm guitar, then all he can do is play lead, it seemed like, right? Sure, the guy can play fucking circles around me and hundreds and hundreds of guitars or he wouldn't have gotten the gig. Um, of course, the irony being like he goes into playing like slightly simple rock. But I don't think it is that simple in the sense that, you know, Paul wanted him to apply, you know, fly at Richter uh, levels, uh, you know, uh, breaking land speed records. Um, but Ace loved to do those da 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 as well, you know? So there's precedence for it. You know, all in all, at the time, I was like, hmm, interesting. You know, but I didn't know that I loved it, you know? Um, I didn't have a problem with Vinnie Vincent because I'd never spent any time with the guy. And when I'd seen the Lick It Up show in Chicago, I mean, it was my first concert. I mean, I was just blown away. And I don't remember thinking, you know, Vinny doesn't fit. They were just the greatest band on earth at that moment in my small, uh, expanding mind. Let's hit the highway doing 69. Oh, just take a look around you, right. Um, you know, this is a bit of a muddled uh, solo section. You know, a little overthought out by Paul. But that is cool. What I love is when you actually get to hear raw tracks and stuff. And you hear, uh, you know, the minor notes and chords. So like Paul may be playing roots on one rhythm track. You know, the root notes. But on the other ones, he's got open notes ringing. Pretty majestic. In fact, just about any Kiss song, you know... Uh, once you get into the 80s, you'll hear some pretty subtle, uh, cool chords, you know, laid in the background that, you know, make the melodies work. Whereas before, it was all pretty much stonesy, uh, you know, Sabbathy. I should say this, some of Gene's vocal performances on this are kind of mailed in, and you have to wonder if, if Paul was really manning the wheels, right? And Gene wasn't putting in his effort if if Paul was thinking, I'm going to give this fuck, you know, enough rope to hang. In other words, if you're not going to come in and give your songs love with harmonies and other bits, um, I'm not going to, you know, for you. That's your problem. You want to leave them like that? You sure you're happy with that mix? I'm sure those conversations happened. And, um, you know, how many songs does Gene have on the record? There's one, two, three, four, five six, seven, eight, nine songs. And Gene's got one, two, three, four. He's lucky. <laughs> He's lucky he has four. I can't believe he didn't even, you know, make a stab at a hit. Like, you know, I like Murder in High Heels. It sounds like something off of, uh, you know, it makes me think of Naked City. And While the City Sleeps, like, He's kind of giving you a glimpse behind the jean giant robe and, you know, like, he goes out into the night and, like, it's this seedy hellscape of horrors that he just goes and picks one out of the, out of the blue, right? 
and that they're the predators too, right? Like, you don't know what I'm going through kind of thing. I find that entertaining, you know? Paul's less, you know, as usual, not being as overt in general. Um, you know, Thrills in the Night is about someone. It's not at them. I've had enough as personal. Heaven's on fire. Well, you know, chalk that up to experience. Get all you can take. Again, like a mission statement. Under the gun, go get it. And Thrills in the Night, as I said, you know, more of a, a, a fictional piece. Um, I do like this break in Under the Gun, you know. Because uh, it's one of the few times where Paul's just playing, right? And makes him sound like he's playing fast, but it's pretty it's a pretty easy riff, right? Like, I could learn that, but I can't learn the solos on this record, right? I'd need a freaking lobotomy to learn these solos. The fact that Bruce was able to step in and come pretty damn close to the mark and actually nail a couple of them, like, I remember the run at the end of Under the Gun here on, on the Animalized Live. He actually does the full run, and you can tell he's holding his breath, and he goes all the way down, and it's like, poor bastard, like, Talk about walking the plank um, to join a band at like, this feverish pace. It's one thing to come in and learn the solo to, you know, shout it out loud. <laughs> it's another thing to come in and try to play the solo under the gun when it's been out six months. You're listening to Kistorian Brothers. Phone calls about Kiss from your friends at Kistorian.com. The originals, keeping it real since 2010. Whenever I hear the intro to Thrills in the Night, for some reason it takes me more back to Friday Night videos than any other uh, Kiss video. Even though I saw the premiere of Lick It Up, it was like, oh, here comes the next song, right? And... Uh, and then we see Bruce for the first time, I believe. Either that or it was, ah, I can't remember. Shucks. If you listen to the version from that Detroit show, um, you know, the one we get on, the video has been tarted up a bit. Uh, if you listen to the vocals on the, you know, non-tricked uh, non, uh, versions, which you can now listen to on YouTube, it's awesome. Uh, and Paul, like, misses the mic here and there, so they either re-sang it or sang over it, and they did some nice work. But it's kind of fun hearing the band really slog through that track. And they kind of had to. I don't think they played it every night. Um, but it really works. I mean, they're laying in. It's like new kiss. It's pretty convincing. The video is desperately trying to be Panama on a low budget. But, you know, it was like uh, when Paul slides to the audience in Cleveland and you see the crowd and everything and he does the Townsend slide. It's like, oh, my boys are taking over the earth again, you know. So, you know, the mix of uh, fake live video and then some live footage from other shows was kind of fun. But they would bring in the audience and stuff in the, the sound on the, the video for Thrills. And I really thought that shit was really low budge. Nothing we can do now though, kids. 
You're listening to Kistorian Brothers. Phone calls about Kiss from your friends at Kistorian.com. The originals, keeping it real since 2010.